Welcome back to To The Point with Mick Rich. I'm here with my good buddy, Joel. Joel, great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Mick. Hey, you know, you and I met about a year ago, year and a half ago, mm -hmm. out on the campaign trail. I, I met you through Marty. You came over, we chatted, mm -hmm. and, and Marty said, Mick, here's a fellow rugby player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, you and I started working together on the campaign mm -hmm. for 2020. We traveled the state together. We got to know one another. A mm -hmm. couple things I thought were interesting was, number one, you're a musician. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yeah. And then you... A songwriter? Yeah, I do several things in music, you know. Started, Which are? Well, uh, actually, I got my degree um, at this university in Chicago um, for talent and media management focused in the music industry. So incorporate a lot of marketing and public relations, so on and so forth. And I, I was actually doing that as a vehicle to maybe eventually push my own music, but I got a lot of great experience working with uh, uh, various artists signed to RCA, Sony Records, whatnot, out of college. So that's kind of my beginnings. So... If I want to start like recording recording music, mm -hmm. let's say mm -hmm. you know I love that song, you know I left my heart in San Francisco. Right. So we go. Do, what's the term? Do it. Tape. You do recording. Yeah. Do a recording. Yeah. So I'll do. We'll do a recording together. Mm -hmm. You could play the guitar. Uh, you play the guitar. You know I do play the guitar, guitar. but I I I need to hear your demo first before I commit to that. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to just so everybody understand. I do not sing. Yeah. Right. I, and and even in, in Happy Birthday, I. Keep my voice kind of quiet. <laughs> Just harmonize. Uh, so you're a musician. Mm -hmm. You went to Italy. I mean, to Spain, right? Yeah, I went to Spain uh, top of the year to work on a music project there. Um, and then when the, and everything was going well, actually, I was going to, um, my plan was to actually uh, do a few shows out there in Barcelona as well. When, it was, when I came back, we were actually I was still actually working with you. So I was waiting, right. you know, to see if there'd be time. Um, and uh, of course, COVID hit. And I like that shut down basically because I didn't really want to just record songs for the sake of recording songs. I like touring and playing live. You know, I, I can understand that. Uh, I just love being on the camp tra campaign trail, just mm -hmm. chatting with folks. Yeah. Then you're a rugby player. Yeah. So I play rugby on a men's club in Albuquerque, Albuquerque Yard Barks. And okay. uh, you know, anyone knows about rugby, it's you know, like a lot of people call it. It's like things football without pads, but it's uh, right. It's pretty much just controlled chaos. You know? I, I remember I played rugby in college and mm -hmm. our. Coach was from New Zealand, and he said, oh, okay. uh, football is a ruffian sport. Mm -hmm. And then he said, soccer is a ruffian's gentleman's sport. Mm -hmm. And then rugby is a gentleman's gentleman's sport. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm ruffian not quite, I never feel that way playing rugby. <laughs> well, it's, ruffians, it's a ruffian sport played by gentlemen. Right, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we like Good. to think. Yeah. And then, uh, so you're doing that, and then you just got off the campaign trail. Yeah, um, we just had our general election, and uh, I was... Um, campaign manager for Alexis Martinez Johnson is running right. for U.S. Congress in northern New Mexico. Good. And then at the same time, I noticed that you were doing their Facebook, social media. Yeah. And you also did some uh, production of commercial uh, videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, um, Alexis and I kind of made a decision that we would keep our, we were, we're better off just keeping our, basically most of the media in-house and focus on marketing. You know, and so basically I was the only steady employee of the, the campaign. And right. so there'd be times where like, let's do a TV commercial. We have to do a TV commercial. And then uh, we got the script from the consultant and I was just like, this isn't good. You know, right. and then no, no offense to that. It was just what they didn't, they, they just didn't understand New Mexicans like Alexis right. and I did. So, and so, and so we did it ourselves. I can remember they said, we want you on one of the commercials. They want Mick, we want you to stand up with your arms crossed. Mm -hmm. and, and I said to them, 
I said, there is no way in the world I am ever going to do that. Yeah. Right. And well, there are certain things you just say, we're not going to do it. The other item that, mm -hmm. uh, that I wanted to ask you about is that you grew up in Illinois. Yeah, I grew up going back and forth between actually South Bend, Indiana and Hobbs, New Mexico. And your, and your mother lives in uh, Lee in, County. Yeah. Right. Down in Hobbs. Area. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting about that, you know, I grew up, I spent part of my time in South Bend, Indiana. And then when you look at Indiana, like the politics is interesting because Supreme Court justices came from Notre Dame, right. South Bend, Indiana. Mayor Pete from South Bend, Indiana. And Mike Pence. So how close are you with me? With uh, Mayor Pete, I've seen him out and about a few times. Okay, but that, that's 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 a, about a, as close as you get. No, you know, I have nothing against them. It's just you know, I don't, we, no, don't, we, I don't, we don't we don't align politically. <laughs> no, so. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I understand. That. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. I'm glad to have you on the program. And, and one of the reasons being is that uh, that you know, I'm a Republican. You're a Republican. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed is, hate to say it, is that you know, the old guys aren't going to let go of the Republican Party until they're dead. Yet, probably they're their cold, dead hands off of the, mm -hmm. you know, the throttle. Right. And so I'm excited to see your gener the next generation, the younger generation, because really you're, how old are you? I'm in my 30s. We'll so yeah, yeah, so you're the next generation down yeah. from me, mm -hmm. from what I can say. And yeah. uh, so I'm glad to see the next generation of leaders stepping up. And uh, Yeah, and, we, and, and the people that are stepping up, they're not being asked to step up. You know, like, um, we see there's a need. Right. And so like, and there's some people kind of in the middle where they kind of want to, they just need the push, you know, whereas uh, like a candidate, you know, for U.S. Congress, Alexis totally just rose to the occasion. No one even wanted her to do it, but she oh, saw the that's need. Right. Uh, again, I think it goes back. Uh, did you ever read the book uh, called Iron John? I have actually. Right. And yeah. he talks about you can't ask for the key. You can't beg for the key. You have to take the key. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're talking about is mm -hmm. that. If you're standing back and waiting to say, oh, come on board, it's not going to happen. But I can well imagine. I know how I was greeted when I stepped in. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not. So what was your experience as the next, this younger generation stepping up into a leadership role? Mm -hmm. So were you warmed, welcomely saying, oh, thank goodness, Joel, we're so glad to see you here? Well, or what, the did first... you have to get your elbows in there like in a scrum in rugby? Well, the first half of it... Um was like a scrum in rugby because no one knew I was there in the middle right. because I was behind the scenes, you know, just focused because I didn't want to be the so right. on and so forth. And, and so then um, the people that did know me eventually appointed me to campaign manager. And then at that point, they're like, who is this guy? You know, right. and that. And so then once they there, there's a lot of feeling out. They didn't really know who I was for a while, but they didn't know anything about me. I didn't want them to know anything about me because I just wanted to focus on the campaign. Right. But then as things would push came to shove, they realized I was willing to shove back when it, when it came to disagreement. And, but I always had this confidence because I'm like, we're controlling the media. And if you, and if you have a good messaging, no one can really speak against you. And I tell you what, I think we're going to leave it here for this segment. Mm -hmm. uh, again, Joel, great to have you here. Yep. Welcome back. Uh, I have my good buddy here, Joel. And Joel and I were on the campaign trail together. We traveled the state, mm -hmm. uh, the two of us in my Ford Explorer. Yeah. Covered a lot of territory quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was your really your first experience on yeah. the campaign trail. What were some of the biggest surprises that you had? Um, the biggest surprise I had really was it was funny. Um, I was I I really is uh, surprised and how excited people were at these conventions and and hopeful and um, and I and I was like this is really fun and it was interesting because I talked to someone else's campaign manager. I won't you know 
uh, I was, you know, working media with you, but uh, talked to someone's campaign manager at that time. And he's like, oh, I, I, I hate these things. It's just a big show. And I was just like, well, it's just a big show if that's what you see it as. But you right. listen to so many people you can speak with and feel, get, because I, I love people and hearing like their, their takes on things. And that was interesting. Even with the Republican Party, the spectrum of beliefs and values and ideas of how things should be done. That's really surprising. Oh, right. One of the biggest surprises that, uh, and I'm embarrassed over that, I was, it dawned on me way too late of the two, what I call the push-pull on the Republican Party. One, I call the social libertarians mm -hmm. in that would fall more. And one extreme is Gary Johnson. Mm -hmm. When he was a Republican, he would be what I would call a social libertarian. Yeah. And then you have the social uh, conservatives mm -hmm. uh, over on the other side, more of the evangelicals. It's very black and white. Both of those extremes are very black and white mm -hmm. and have a hard time coming together. Is, is, that, it, much, yeah. is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, uh, the similarities with your campaign, Alexis, was that if, if you had your own independent thought, people really struggled with that. You know, you know, if you had your own independent ideas of how you think things should be done, people struggle with that. Um, well, you know, um, and even like the mask thing, right? You know, we're in the mask era. Right. Like, I found it interesting. People were saying like, well, it's, it's, our, um, it's our right to not wear a mask. Right. And then, but if someone was wearing a mask, sometimes, but you should take off your mask. I'm like, well, don't you think it's their right to wear a mask? So sometimes oh. people... They they use they use their ideas to push what they really want when really there's there's some flaw into it. So that's kind of what I'm saying is that people get so stuck in dogma sometimes that they kind of lose what they're saying, you know. But not that's all parties. That's not you know. Oh look, I I agree with that. I think it's interesting that you use the term dogma because mm -hmm. when we think of dogma, we think about religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And dogma of the Catholic Church. I'm, and I'm, just so everybody knows, I'm Catholic, so I'm not pointing my finger at mm -hmm. Catholics. But yeah. I'm saying. But again, what we're, what I find that was interesting is that as I traveled the state with you, mm -hmm. and we would talk to people and listen to them, ask them, what's important to you? Mm -hmm. And then to come up with a message that was able to be expressed across the state, and it was challenging to be in, in events with Republicans and say, this is what I'm standing on, and not change it based on what part of the state you're in. Yeah, oh yeah, and I challenge any state or specifically northern district to have a more diverse district oh. from navajo nation to clayton to clovis permian basin to santa fe and metro albuquerque it's 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 house you know like it's, it's having your message to be flexible and and make sure everyone has their input it's a real challenge you know and the, the challenge is to make the district understand that there's other people in the district that have needs too Yes. Mm -hmm. I was just, it, your, uh, uh, Alexis's district included Farmington. I was going through a list of cities losing population. Mm -hmm. I think it was the top 30 mm -hmm. in the country. And Farmington was right there. Wow. They, I think they were like it, in the, uh, I believe, top 10, maybe top 15 mm -hmm. of cities losing population, which was, I think, is, it's... I love. I, I, no, Farmington's primed to be a metropolis if it wanted to be, because they have all the resources. They just need like a railway, but they have people willing to work. You know. Tell you what, they have people to work. It. it what I liked about Farmington mm -hmm. was that it is a blue-collar town, mm -hmm. and what I mean by a blue-collar is that 
they're doing willing to do the hard work to earn a living, mm -hmm. whatever that may be. Well, interesting thing about Farmington, that was the first uh, event I went with you um, to, and that's actually where I met Alexis. Oh, okay. And so what's interesting about that, I told Alexis Martinez Johnson, uh, it was just offhanded. I only really said one thing to her. I said, oh, you know, Alexis, you should keep this up. You have that it factor. And that's all I said yeah. to her. And it was very interesting that that was like the first event that I went with you, and that's the first time I met her. And you said like, that was the what again? The first event that I traveled with well, you. What did you say to her what she was? I, I, all I said to her, you know, being from music industry and, you know, t managing talent, I said to Alexis, I go, I just want you to know you have the it factor. It factor. The it Either factor was just yeah. you see someone, you're like that. There's just certain people you see that you know they'll be successful in anything they do if they really right. want it. And I, and I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, I saw that traveling the state. I was very, I was real encouraged to see the number of candidates that, that uh, were running in CD3, considering how challenging it is for Republican. Mm -hmm. uh, so what was the experience out on the Navajo Nation? Well, the first time we went there, uh, it just turned out that at that moment, they were in tribal court about the hemp farms. All right, and it was, and I'll be honest, it felt like being in Juarez. It felt like being in Juarez, Mexico. When like because the local people, the people, the community were ready to literally burn the hemp farms down. Oh no! Like kidding. with tor Molotov cocktails, torches, whatever. And if that tribal court did not go the right way, and we stopped and we spoke with someone, and and when we spoke with someone, and that's the first I really talked about. It, it's not, but uh, um, we left, and then thirty minutes later that person got arrested, you know? And then we were, we're like, we probably should get out of here. And there was police everywhere because they were just worried about like an uprising of some kind. I don't know the details, but um, so that was my first here, experience. I didn't this, get was, that. this was around the Shiprock area. Right. No, I understand what you're saying. I never got that impact. I knew it was an issue, but I didn't understand that people were that passionate over it. And that's the whole point is that when boots are on the ground, like you know what's going on, you know? And uh -huh. then, but yeah. Which goes back to our congressional leaders in in Washington. Mm -hmm. How rarely do they make it back to Albuquerque, to New Mexico, and travel the state mm -hmm. to get that impression? I, it's it was unbelievable to me uh, what I heard on the campaign trail, or what I heard from uh, our delegates' representatives here. Mm -hmm. I remember one of them said, "Was I was down in Deming and said, this is over the border." Well, and they said, uh, "This is one of the reps say if you if you want to be heard, you're going to have to organize and protest mm -hmm. in order to be heard in Washington." And I'm thinking, "Where's where's our congressman? Where's our senators? Mm -hmm. That's what they're here for. People shouldn't have to organize and protest for their voice to be heard." Right, that's a good point. Yeah, and uh, and that's part of why everyone asked what the secret of the campaign was. You know, doing as well as we did compared to past. Uh, the number one thing is a good candidate. You know, the same with the music manager. You can be the best music manager in the world. If it's not a good music artist, then it doesn't matter. You know, and uh, a good candidate was just the main thing. And so, that, what do you think? Okay, you said a good candidate. Mm -hmm. What's a good candidate look like? A good candidate is willing to listen. A good candidate is also a little flexible to actually represent the voice of their district rather than pushing what they want to all the time. Right. Um, and now. Don't get me wrong, there needs to be some connective tissue there where their beliefs do line up with the district. But at the end of the day, it's what the district wants and what the people of the district wants. And there is a point of leadership, too, where they, because like in, during the COVID thing, one of the reasons that Alexis won because she was the only one actually taking active leadership role saying, 
this is the resources for COVID, this is the websites to go to, so on and so forth. And everyone else just kind of went to the background. And she was the only Republican voice in New Mexico um, in the midst of COVID actually providing resources. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And especially when we talk about uh, that the COVID-19 crisis was front and center in this election. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And, and then, then for me personally, that level of the playing field, my background is media and social media and marketing. And that's where the, the fight was, you know. And so. Good deal. Well, I tell you what, what I thought was interesting is that you guys did so much with so little. Yeah. You could practically do anything with nothing. That that's really what it was like we not being outspent 28 to one. Yeah, you well, know? I understand. Yeah. Well, so Joel, you finished up the campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, what was the biggest surprise that you had on the camp on the campaign, whether that was on my campaign or Alexis's campaign? What was the biggest surprise? Uh, the biggest surprise um, it was, it was amazing to see how uh, the voices vary within the party. Right. Um, because I feel the Democrats are a little more like follow the leader, you know, we're all in on this, which is a strength and a weakness because there's not much room for different voices, right? As, as I mentioned in the monologue was that what, the, what I see is that you have the elitists saying, here's what's good for you. Mm -hmm. And everybody gets on board and still in there, they march to that drum. Yeah. And what I saw, what I hear you saying is that with Republicans, it, there, it's more like jazz, yeah. where the, the the rhythm is broken up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and, and the I think we talked about this before, where there's there's a shift, and it was you brought it up. There's a shift where um, Republicans used to be the one seen as the rich that took advantage of the poor, right? But now it's different, where the, there's the liberal elites rely on the poor to keep them in their positions. That's and I, right. don't get me wrong, I think there's both of that on both sides. Oh, I, but, yeah, but, I agree with that. But I feel the elites see the, the lowest quintile of the economy right. as their commodities. So we'll, we'll, get, that's we'll, another touch, subject. we'll touch base more on this in the last segment. Oh, okay, sorry, but, I jumped but ahead. But no, that's okay. Yeah. But, but what, what I hear you say is the surprise is that there isn't a unified voice. And what's good about that mm -hmm. is that that one voice just doesn't obliterate every voice. Mm -hmm. The challenge of that is to unify the people, mm -hmm. unify the Republicans, but have a unified message that's out there. Uh, and I tell you what, the unified message that I saw in the last campaign was respect New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And you and I talked about it is it makes you want to go out and pick up trash. Mm -hmm. I do say that, and I never could quite figure out who was behind that, but respect New Mexico, I think it's a great thing. I, it kind of reminds me of Tosh No Mas. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm not one to be a, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, you know, it was great. But it, it, the, the, I missed the mark on allowing the individual candidates to be in the forefront. It was, you know, everyone just, it was, it was, I felt it was a little dogmatic. Again, that word, oh. you know, because it was good because it definitely moved the needle and it got people nominated. You know, it got people in office, and that was great. It was a great beginning. Uh, where it fell short was it didn't allow the individual candidate to shine. And that's the environment and media world that we're in, where there, we what, need what stars. I, so what I'm hearing some, you say is that, that you, what you were expecting, the role for the party, would be a crucible for the candidate mm -hmm. to, to have the resources, to have a unifying message, and then allowing the candidates mm -hmm. to go out and listen to the, cons, the constituents and they then, could have featured candidates. They could have highlighted candidates. Right. And the thing is, um, 
with respect to New Mexico, I did I followed the Facebook metrics, and Alexis starting with nothing got more Facebook engagement week to week than respect New Mexico, an individual. Now imagine, take the the gestalt, the the whole is greater than the sums of its wow. part, and that's what they missed the boat on. It was a, it was too much one plus one plus one, where it's like it was, it, we need more exponential. Well, uh, and, and again, approach. Uh, I just don't. So when we look at it, we look at your the district that you guys are running in, mm -hmm. northern New Mexico. You've touched on it. You have parts of Albuquerque, Sandoval County, Bernalillo, Sandoval. You're working your way up. Mm -hmm. You're going right up the uh, the valley, uh, the, the, right, the Rio, Rio Grande, Grande Valley. Yeah. And if we think about it, that is really the Rio Grande Valley was the Camino Real. Mm -hmm. That is the immigration from the Spaniards up through Mexico, from originating from Spain. Mm -hmm. Then you had for your your district and for the other districts, except for Bernalillo, you know, CD one. You had immigrants coming across from the east to the west, mm -hmm. and then also from uh, not so much from the west to the east, and then you had the Native Americans and with Pueblos, the Navajo Nation and, and the Pueblos. Yeah. And so, for Alexis to be able to come up with a message mm -hmm. to reach. The voters mm -hmm. was huge, and for you guys to, you had what 125,000? I figured, yeah, about that, yeah. 135,000. You ended up with 42 percent of the yeah, it's the, the most vote. votes ever. You know, it's a bigger population now, but it's the most votes ever for a Republican in CD3. CD3 is actual and, hard numbers, yeah, right. And you were outspent almost 30 to one. Our opponent had 28 million dollars, or two, sorry, 2.8 million dollars, 2.8 million, mostly from out of state, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, out of state. So again, it is when we talk about this is the elites mm -hmm. saying we know what's good for you. Yeah, and that's really what it is. And um, one of the things that I'm very blunt about, we hear the liberals talk about gentrification a lot, you know. But really, what the liberal elites are doing, they're doing a gentrification of values, where we have these Hispanic communities that have been conservative, they like they believe in guns and free speech, freedom of religion, et cetera. And the liberal elites are coming and gentrifying the Hispanic values in New Mexico. And it's a flat out, I'll say it, white liberal elitist gentrification of values. Oh, too, I agree with that. I think the other thing I think is interesting on gentrification mm -hmm. of uh, areas of urban cities is that in the 60s, mm -hmm. we were doing forced busing, forced integration. Mm -hmm. And we're forcing people to do it mm -hmm. with the gentrification of those communities. This is volunteering people to move into those communities mm -hmm. for a mix. Mm -hmm. And instead of embracing, embracing it and making it work for everybody, it was like fighting. In thermodynamics, we talk about entropy. Mm -hmm. And what we have is that when you fight gentrification, you're fighting the natural tendency. Mm -hmm. When you have busing, you're fighting the natural tendency. So what we should be doing is allowing people this ability to enter into different communities. Yeah. And again, what we're talking about in New Mexico, I think is huge in your district that you were, not your district, mm -hmm. but CD3 mm -hmm. was huge because it was what we talk about, the melting pot of our country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and and. I, I actually think that New Mexico, I've been, I've traveled, you know, I think New Mexico is one of the least gentrified areas I've ever been in, just, you know, because of the, you know, whatnot. And I'm, I'm not even a, a, I'm actually not even a big fan of that term. It's, you know, it's something, it's, it's, yes, it's a thing to describe a phenomenon, but I think it's used too much to 
create divisiveness, right? Um, but I'm using their own word against them when I say right. a gentrification of values. So but anyway, and I and I agree with that. It it tears me up to see the values of the instead of the party following the values of the people, mm -hmm. they're pushing the values on the people. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, what was the biggest disappointment that you saw that that you go, oh man? Uh, my I biggest we're doing this. my my biggest disappointment was. Um, um, it got tread lightly. My biggest disappointment was the that kind of the national scene didn't see the potential for Alexis because right off the gate when she won the primary as an underdog, she was the only candidate in New Mexico to get national interviews. And in being in music, if you get an article in the Rolling Stone, the record label gets behind it, sends out a press release, and yeah. it's like, let's attach rocket ships to this car. Right. And Alexis had that car on the national scene. She was in the Financial Times. She's, you know, she was in the, the in like featured in the Washington Times, the Lily, uh, FM, XM, sorry, XM Radio, Andrew Wilco, and the Republican Party didn't want to get involved. Well, for and I and I understand that also and at the same so, way for us. And so for music, though, right. that's the, what you do. You 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 present something on a silver platter, and the label's like, great. Thank you for doing this hard work. We can turn something into this. And I felt like no matter what gold I made. Welcome back to To The Point with Mick Rich. I've got my good buddy here, Joel. I, I would consider Joel kind of a renaissance man. He is a musician, rugby player, uh, campaign manager, businessman. So, Joel, uh, we talked a little bit about your background. We talked about us working together on the campaign, you working on Alexis's campaign up in CD3. Mm -hmm. But today I want to wrap this up with, you know, you see the next generation of political leaders, I, I look at you in that position, that you're able to set set your own path mm -hmm. of what you want to do, your core yeah. values. So where do you see uh, this all going? I don't want to talk about just Republican and Democrats, but what I see is we are at a transition in our country. Mm -hmm. And you and I talked last night a little bit of that, uh, or maybe it was with my banker I talked about this, is that the, the uh, magnetic, magnetic north and south every over a few million years flips. Mm -hmm. And I see the same thing going true on the political arena, where all of a sudden I'm seeing the values of the parties. The Democrats in the past have been the, always been part of the working man and women party, mm -hmm. then it became part of the big labor, mm -hmm. and then the labor leaders knew what was good for the workers. Mm -hmm. And so where do you see things going? Well, you know, I got to tell a quick little story. I don't know if I ever told you this. When I was in college, I actually applied to be an intern at the, at, in the, the state house, right? And uh, Which state house? This was actually Indiana. This time. Indiana, okay. Uh, and I went, I went there, and I said to them, I'm like, I'm not, not going to be a lawyer. I am not... Um, uh, I'm not going for, to school for poli-sci, I said, but I think I have some assets to give and what I'm going to be doing. And it was like a thanks but no thanks situation. And I had kind of forgotten about that, you know, and what's on so on so So what forth. party was that? Republican. Republican Party. So And then I got it, and I'm going to yeah. be frank, and then I was like, well, so whatever, you know, because I knew there was not a right. good chance or whatever, just because I'm not the typical person that they would want to bring in. And then when I looked at all the interns that they had hired, everybody was Caucasian. You know, oh, right. you know, and so, uh, and I was like, but I'm a conservative enough to know, well, maybe they were more qualified. Right? right. And so, but what, what they didn't provide was an outlet for me or a pathway 
for me to do what I could. And I had, when we started working together, I had no interest or it wasn't on my radar to work in politics. And you didn't even know that story, right? And so when I, it was fatalistic, right, that that would happen when I, right. and so anyway, so I'm a prime example of someone that the Republican Party did not identify, but you identified as an individual, right? And so, the, so there needs to be more pathways for people that want to do things, not just run for office, they want to work in media, there needs to be pathways where it's like, well, you're not, you, we don't need you for an intern, but you know what, we can move you over here, you're a great asset here, you're a great asset there. Um, because as it sits right now, it's really hard for people of color to find like, uh, to have to, where it's their voice, because they have to like, adapt. Right, what I, okay. Uh, so, I was at high school. Mm -hmm. My sister was a volunteer for Sierra Club, mm -hmm. who's out in California. I went up and visited her and her husband, mm -hmm. and then we went up to the Capitol building there in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. I sat in on a hearing for the navigability of the McCallany River mm -hmm. there in California, and I listened to it at the end of the committee hearing. Uh, it ended up with the two sides are going to come together, mm -hmm. figure out a compromise, and move forward. Mm -hmm. And we left there. We bumped into the lobbyist for the Sierra Club, and he said, oh, you're in the hearing. I said, yeah, and he said, well, the two sides... Uh, are going to come together and work out a compromise. I said, me? were you there? I didn't see you there. Oh, yeah. And he said, no, I wasn't there. That was already decided oh, before wow. the hearing. Mm -hmm. That probably turned me off the most of politics. Yeah. Now, I did do grassroots campaigning for McGovern in high school, mm -hmm. uh, but really politics was off the radar screen. Mm -hmm. But what I found was, and I hear you talk about it being a color issue of uh there's, there wasn't a place. Right. You know, right. But I, my experience was, uh, you're not one of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, mm -hmm. and more being was. Well, then, because even because I prefaced it with like, I'm not going for law. That's right. Apologize. So I knew that I wasn't one of them, you know. From... You weren't one of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that re and when I when I was looking at this is that I was not someone that. Uh, fits the mold, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Just like President Trump. Mm -hmm. he, here was a guy that was a Democrat, mm -hmm. looked at it and said, no way. He supported and contributed to Hillary Clinton, mm -hmm. uh, said, I'm going in a different direction. And here it is. You had those elites mm -hmm. lining up against uh, uh, Trump when he was running in 16. And then here it was. You had many of those same Republicans. And I call them political elites mm -hmm. lining up in the uh, Lincoln Project mm -hmm. to oppose the president. And what I'm seeing is that either party, they've got to open it up. I'm praying that it's going to be the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. Open it up and say, man, we, we have got to open it up, get people involved. I was down out of, out of the Albuquerque area, and I talked with some county leaders. Mm -hmm. And I talked to them about our float that we had in 18 mm -hmm. uh, in Corrales. Mm -hmm. And I said, or I think it was in, oh, it was in 19 we had this float in mm -hmm. Corrales. They said, you ought to look at the float. And they said, how did you do it? Mm -hmm. And it was a mixture of people from all across. Mm -hmm. uh, and It's New Mexico. There's right. a mixture. And they said, well, how did you do it? And I kind of laid it out. And I said, I can help you with that if you want. Mm -hmm. They weren't interested. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to do the work to open it up because when doing so, it meant that they would lose the power and control. Yeah, they want so, the voice. They, they want the vote, but they don't always want the voice. They, they, right. And they, they, and, right. They want the vote. So how do you think that the Republican Party, if you're going to offer recommendations, let me go back. Mm -hmm. You're in, you're in the I'm in perfect world. 
not in a perfect world, yeah. but let's say now you got a, a place at the table. Yeah. How are you going to open it up? Well, um, so again, I come from a music background. So what you do, so like in a music is a situation, the label will give you, here's, here's $3,000. Let's just say use a number. Right. And if, and if you can make $10,000 out of that, great. And so you do a little project, a single or whatever. Great. Right. It's like, okay, what you did was great. Now we're going to give you, uh, $30,000. And if you can make a hundred thousand out of that, great. So basically to me, it's very interesting that we won the primary with $9,000. Right. Right. And then it's like, imagine if they would have just gave us 90,000 to repeat what we did or 900,000. So recognize success and let those people perpetuate the success. And I feel good leadership is means sometimes knowing when to get out of the way. And, but also, That's right. and it's and like, then I'd feel that there's certain elite leadership that doesn't know how to get out of the way. But well, could, I think it has to do with it. Number one is not wanting to lose that control. Mm -hmm. And so what we talk, what I mentioned in the monologue well, is the fact is that we've got people coming up and it's time to hand the reins off. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you that I feel both parties are at flaw for this, that they're forgetting there's three branches of government, that they treat a presidency way higher than they treat the Senate or the House. Right. When it's like, then then... You get stuck in this, like, well, this president does this. Like, no, I'm running for legislation, Congress. Right. My job is to keep the president in line, whoever that may be. Oh, I, and, look, and, I, and right, so, I agree with that 100%. And so, and so when a party goes all in on a president from, from uh, you know, from LBJ to Nixon to now, then, then everyone else has to, like, okay, now they have to mitigate that. Right. You know, so anyway. So we're looking at this, the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're a minority party mm -hmm. in the state. Uh, independence, most young people, when they're registering, they're registering as independents. Uh, how, do, how do the Republicans open it up? And so you went to events just like I did, mm -hmm. and how few young people are at Republican events? Mm -hmm. You saw that. Mm -hmm. How does the Republicans, how do we open it up to those independents, mm -hmm. reach out to them and say, you'll have a... We want your voice here in the Republican Party. Um, you know, I think what the Democrats do well is they create little segments, you know, of, of interest, so on and so forth. And I think what the Republican Party needs to do is to do the same thing, but more for business. They need to like, they need to know that uh, artists, their little segment has value. You know, uh, mechanics, you know, musicians, whatever that may be. And if they broke the economy down into little pockets and show that they're interested in all those things in the economy, that would actually offset the social interest that the Democrats have. Um, because I feel that the Republicans kind of go really top heavy with the economy interests, and they don't talk about the local economy enough and all the little parts right, of that. And I agree. And, I was the only one, I believe, mm -hmm. that went to the all Indian market mm -hmm. to go meet with folks. Mm -hmm. That was one. And then two, I met with gallery owners in Santa Fe mm -hmm. to hear the challenges that they have with federal legislation mm -hmm. in, yeah, that's, that's, that's hurting the art market in Santa Fe. Joel, we need to wrap this up. Okay. Man, it was, it's always good seeing yeah, you. Flew by. Yeah, with thanks you. for having me. The, you know, uh, so, we could have took any one of these topics and just talked about it for an that's hour. That's right. You know. And I agree with that. We'll get you back on another time. I'm uh, happy to come back. Hopefully, uh, I'll join you on the top. No, I'll never join you on the rugby field. No, Those no. days are behind me. Yeah. And again, Joel, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Appreciate it.